Hello and welcome to this In Conversation series with some of UQ's highest achieving alumni, the 2020 UQ Alumni Award winners. My name is Madonna King and welcome to Tamara Richardson, who joins the ranks of UQ's Distinguished Young Alumni Award recipients. Tamara graduated with a Bachelor of Science in 2018 and has managed to do an enormous amount since then. The director and founder of PACE48, she is a voice for youth across the Asia-Pacific region, and I suspect that must sometimes feel a long way from Rockhampton in Queensland, where she grew up. Tamara Richardson, welcome. Well, thank you, uh, Madonna, for having me. Tell me about growing up in Rockhampton. Growing up in a, a regional town, I was always really keen to leave and explore the world. I spent a lot of my high school years uh, reading books. I used to spend a lot of my time volunteering at Vinnie's on the weekend. And in exchange for volunteering, my parents kind of said, we'll give you some money to buy some books from <laughs> the Vinnie's. And so a lot of the books that I found were history books. And so reading about, um, you know, these great struggles throughout time, I was always interested in traveling abroad and exploring the places that I was reading about. Now that I'm older and I'm traveling constantly for my work, I really do appreciate going home to Rockhampton. So you say that you, you, you loved history, you read books, you mm. thought about <laughs> law, you, you, you were into international relations, but you actually went to university to study science. Yeah, it's, um, I, I think it stumps a lot of people, particularly if I'm at an international meeting at the United Nations and they expect me to have a degree in IR or law. And I say, no, I studied science. Why did you choose that? I never studied science in high school. Um, I was always into the arts and law space. But I started my time at UQ, I actually started in an arts degree uh, and I was focusing on politics and art history. But I remember spending a year in that degree and just not really enjoying it. So I actually left UQ, I dropped out for two years and um, I moved to Asia. <laughs> I saved a ton of money and I moved to Asia because I really wanted to learn another Asian language. Um, so I, I did that for two years and then I came back and I just thought that I wanted to use my time at UQ to strengthen a skill set that I was weak in. Um, and for me, that was science. I was kind of really interested in science, but I, I wasn't good at it. So yeah, I thought that the science degree would allow me to explore things that I didn't understand. All right, so you founded an organisation called PACE48. What, what is mm -hmm. it and why did you do that? Yeah, so um, PACE is a platform that we use with the ambition of connecting people and communities across 48 Asia-Pacific countries to build greater intercultural understanding. And the way that we see that we can do that is through cultural education um, and sharing kind of informal education opportunities with each other to better understand each other's cultures. Do you feel as though the voice of our youth is really underestimated? I think, I, I'm not sure if it's underestimate is the right word to say, because I feel like leaders uh, across the different industries can appreciate the role that young people play, but I just think that they don't necessarily understand how best to engage young people. So young people today have access to resources, particularly in the creative economy. We have access to resources and to each other 
in a way that the generations before us haven't. And I think PACE is a great example of what we can achieve with technology. You know, we were able to expand across 30 countries within five months. For what purpose? Explain to me what that expansion then does for for the youth across the Asian region. One of the things that, or something that's really important for me and for the young people that we engage with is that we see the past few decades um, and how our nation's leaders have responded to the challenges of their time, um, some of which have come out of war or or periods of conflict. And we feel that we need to understand each other better in order to solve some of those uh, issues that continue to be prevalent throughout the region. I think for us it's really important as well because there is a shift in geopolitics currently happening um, and there are a lot, a lot more tensions coming out of our region. So I think it's never been more important for us to connect and try to understand each other and the way that we think as well so that when we are becoming leaders of our countries, we have that understanding when we come to the discussion table. So how do you see that shift in geopolitics influencing what you do? How can you use that to advance your cause? That's a really good question, actually. I I guess leading pace um, as it is, we've never wanted to be political or anything like that. So we we tend to leave that at the door um, as best as we can. So if I'm an Australian or I have an Australian on my team, it's really important um, for us that we don't bring our country's positions into the work that we do because we're not aligned with politics um, and we have a broader purpose than that. Playing off what's happening in the region, um, it can be very interesting, particularly when you have young people who don't leave those ideas at the door. But I think that our mission's going to be incredibly important for this region. Of, of course, and let's come to some of those challenges in a moment. But you say, you know, the request is to leave the politics at the front door. Would the case for a youth voice be enhanced, perhaps if we had younger politicians? Uh, across the region? I, I, I'm not sure. I don't, think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary that we have younger politicians, even though I highly encourage that. Um, I, I think the more important focus should be on leaders who have cultural competency and <laughs> they, you know, they, ha- they have this understanding of how different cultures, um, people from different political, philosophical perspectives approach things. Um, I think that is more important. You were talking about the challenges and I guess of the older generation in a sense, and you're saying that, you know, there's big challenges in our own time for, for, for youth and looking forward. What do you see the really big ones there? Uh, I think for young people today, a lot of young people are concerned about <laughs> the economy um, and employment going forward. But Saying that, um, I think young people are in this position where we can benefit from the creative economy. We have all these tools where we can, you know, if we can't get a job, we can create a job for ourselves. Um, so I think those concerns can be addressed by the skills that we have that are perhaps m- more unique to our generation. So I have a lot of young people that I've met across the region or across the world. Um, And they just said that the system was moving too slow for them. And so they just created something new um, because they didn't want to wait. So, yeah, I think that's a a big concern for everybody. 
So you've um, had some platforms where you've been able to put this argument. You you were the Australian ambassador to the UNESCO Asia-Pacific Youth Dialogue in China, I think in 2017, the Australian delegate to the Commonwealth Youth Forum in the UK in 2018. Did you feel as though you were heard? Um, I think in those particular contexts, I think a lot of young people like to feel like they're heard. <laughs> um, and I think that there are promises made to to young people that, yes, we're going to take your policy recommendations seriously. We're going to action them. But I'm, I'm very skeptical. Um, I always wait for the after effect to see what happens after these conferences. So I have been to quite a few now with different multilaterals and participating in policy discourse is one half of it. But really what happens after is, I think, more important and kind of you know, staying engaged and saying, okay, we've, we've made these recommendations. How are we implementing them now? Yeah, that's very wise, I think. What about as mentors? Do you have any mentors that you go to, to, to see how they might, you know, progress a problem? Along the way, I've found some really fantastic mentors. A couple of them are in the public space, political space. Uh, a couple of them are in the private sector. And they all contribute in different ways. And so I have a mentor that I will go to if I'm having a strategic issue with Pace, who is in the executive um, of a Australian company, and they'll give me some great advice. Uh, and then I have some other mentors who just work in IR politics, and we'll have these discussions about that space as well. And if there was one thing that could be done, if you had an open checkbook and you had the power to change one thing to advance the voice of youth, what would it be? I think for me, and this comes back to my uh, commitment to cultural education and improving intercultural relations, I, I think that we need to invest in language resources for rural and regional areas of Australia. I think that Learning a language is a fantastic opportunity to learn about a different culture. Um, and I feel like this is something that we should be investing more money into. Yeah, absolutely. Well, can I say, Tamara, congratulations. Everyone at UQ are very proud of you and good luck for the future. Thank you very much, Madonna. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with UQ's Distinguished Young Alumni Award recipient, Tamara Richardson. To learn more about our Alumni Award winners, or for more information about the UQ Alumni Programming, please visit the UQ Alumni webpage at alumni.uq.edu.au or follow UQ Alumni on social media. My name is Madonna King and thanks for listening.